Welcome to Pinnacle Football with Dave, Matt, and Cleve. How you guys doing today? What's up, Cleve? Yo. What's going on, man? Um, December 1st. Uh, man, we're at the uh, the last quarter of this year. So it's been a very, I don't know about you guys, it's been a very long year. Everything took forever. And it seems like it, we're in this super cycle, spin cycle. Yeah, I mean, the year was, like, March was the longest month, I think, of my entire life, if I'm being honest. I feel like from March 11th, which I think was the day that Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks tested positive to, like, yeah. the end of March was three years long. But then April went by in an instant. And then as we got closer to the election, things slowed down again. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like, the, to me, it feels like the election was three days ago and not, yeah. up, and not coming up on a month ago. So it's just really weird how, like... The, the entire year it's been speeding up and slowing down true that true probably that. it probably feels that way because trump still says he didn't lose the election so you just keep being reminded of it all the time <laughs> they're the clown bro jesus i've never seen anything like uh that. well you do watch adam Gates every week so maybe oh, man. yeah i don't know how the guy's still working but I have, a, I have a theory on that that we'll get to. okay excellent <laughs> uh so i do want to start today though i do want to start in we are going to go through all the games like normal, but some of these games were just absolute butt, so we won't spend as much as much time on them. But uh, I do want to start with the pandemic here, and specifically how it is impacting uh, the game of football at the NFL and the college level. I just have a list of things that have happened to sort of, in case the listeners didn't catch all of this. The first is that Pittsburgh-Baltimore was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving night. Then it got moved to Sunday afternoon. Then it got moved to Monday night. Then to Tuesday night, but because NBC wants to broadcast the Rockefeller Center tree lighting ceremony, it's a move to Wednesday afternoon at 3.40 p.m. So this game has been pushed back almost a week. If it ends up getting pushed back to this coming Thursday, the first two players for Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, that tested positive last Monday, will be eligible to play because they will have had their 10-day isolation period. So that's the first thing that's going on with that. Next, we have the situation with the Denver Broncos, which we'll get to more in depth when we get to their game. But they had to play this week with no quarterback. One quarterback tested positive. They had all their quarterbacks close together and practice into the rooms and whatnot. So they all were out through contact tracing. So the Broncos had to field had to take the field this week with no quarterback. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, because of local regulations in Santa Clara, have to play their next two home games in Arizona. Mm. Yeah, just just ridiculous. And then we have some stuff in college. So the Big Ten delayed starting their season to try to get better protocols into place and i think they did it as well as anybody could the problem is because of the delay they don't have any makeup time for making up games the game gets canceled it's canceled and that's it the rules this year state you must play in six games to participate in the big 10 title game wow yeah i have a question dave yeah go ahead so i remember you telling me early in the season like when we first started doing these, these shows you were telling me that I forgot which conference it was. One conference went with the cardiologist kind mm-hmm. of weighing in, and one conference kind of just went with like doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, was this one of those, like one of those ones, or no? Yeah. So the Big Ten is the one where the where the uh, head cardiologist at each of the school associated uh, hospitals had to sign off on the deal, had to sign off on the on the protocols, right? Okay. And so the problem for Ohio State is that they've already had two games canceled, and they play eight this year. They've had two games canceled, so they're at six. Well, they don't know about this week coming up, the second to last week. Two weeks from now is the last game against Michigan, of course. And Michigan has shut down operations because of presumptive positive tests. 
If Ohio State has either one of their last two games canceled, they will be ineligible to play in the Big Ten title game, despite being one of the four best teams in the country easily. And I don't know how that's going to impact them making the playoff or anything like that, but still, it's just another thing they have to deal with. And then the last thing here is that Vanderbilt, they had a situation with their kickers the way that the Denver Broncos had with their quarterbacks. So Vanderbilt had no kickers for their game. So they went to the women's soccer team and got Sarah Fuller, the goalkeeper, who was an All-American level uh, soccer player, to come in and uh, play kicker for them this week. And she became the first woman to ever play in an FBS football game. And so that was that was awesome. To- wow. The um, quick... quick uh- I'm sorry, quick thing here. So, the Denver quarterback, Carousel, so uh, were they not wearing masks or something around each other? Like, were they working that close to each other? Like, what happened there? Yeah, so I think think that's going to end up being the case. They said that everybody in the quarterback room was a close contact. So, Jeff Driscoll tested positive for sure. And so, all his close contacts have to isolate. So, my guess is that they weren't social distancing in the meeting rooms. They weren't wearing masks um, when they weren't on the field, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they get that million-dollar fine and lose a draft pick from the NFL eventually for their for their for their um, for their conduct. Um, and so, when we get to that game, we'll talk a bit more about one what happened on the field, but also like Vic Fangio is an idiot for not having some some of these backup plans in place. And then the question I have for you guys about the pandemic is that a month from now, this is going to be worse, and the NFL will still be going, college will still be going. The NBA will have started, and I just, oh, college basketball will be going. How in the world, uh, Cleve, do you think that th- these are going to work? Like, like, are we going to have a season for any of these sports or not? No. Well, see, you and I were talking offline um, about a day ago about, and <clears throat> here's the thing about the NBA that people probably didn't realize. They were halfway through their all-star well, all-star break. They were at the, the halfway point. So the bubble teams was really not the entire league, but whatever playoff teams were were there, plus any wildcard teams that got to play in those 90 days or whatever. To bubble the entire NBA, I don't even know how that's going to work, to be honest with you, because these guys were only away for 90 days plus. So to give them an entire season or maybe even, what, 70 games, it's a long time. Second of all, we're not bubbling for college basketball. And they're playing all over the country. Every conference, uh, I don't think any conference opted out. You guys can fact check me on that and, and see. But I think everyone's kind of in. But there's been a ton of games missed since last already. Uh, the NFL, we all talked about the bubble, possibility of you know the indoor stadiums that they have in the league, especially at Cowboy Stadium. You know they can have a couple of teams play there. You know we're already seeing Arizona. I mean I'm sorry, um, San Francisco go to Arizona to play a couple of games because you know they got shut down i don't really see if they're expecting a super surge on top of what we're having right now i really kind of see it hard for us to have everything um the way it's supposed to have and i think one of you guys mentioned pushing out the super bowl till march or may or something like that that might actually be a reality matt what do you think uh, I have many thoughts. Um, it's funny because we talked about college basketball and, and Virginia Tech had a game canceled and then they ended up randomly uh, scheduling a game against the number three team in the country, Villanova, which presented, they, they ended up winning that game. Um, and it's like, I agree, I think on all fronts. So my take on this is a little bit different than I think what probably people want to hear. But I truly have a lot of cynicism and skepticism about whether um, you know, these, these leagues are really thinking all of this through because there's many things to consider. Like, it's not a, an easy black and white issue. 
because there's revenues to consider and obviously these leagues need to think about staying in business now i don't know i mean that 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 makes me laugh a little bit because i'm thinking how realistic is it that like the nfl for instance is going to go under um if they can't finish the season but in the other sports, the NHL and the NBA specifically, Cleve, to your point, they, they had a shorter window in which they bubbled these teams. And they bubbled only the teams that were in, what they considered in contention at the time. And on both both leagues, the players told you how difficult that was. And in the NHL specifically, a lot of players talked about the expectations that were, uh, were set prior to going there were not met whatsoever. And, you know... I, trying to get the entire league bubbled for the entirety of the season, which in these sports is six to nine months, depending on if you make the playoffs and go all the way to the finals. That's asking a lot. And is it something you can really expect that the players are okay with for that amount of time? Because I understand that they're contractually obligated and it is their job, but at the end of the day, they are human beings. And like, are, are we really, you know, is it really realistic to ask them to do that? For the NFL, I you know, even if they push out and make this happen, I think it's it's so tough because it sends a message of no matter, like, is there a line in which they're willing to consider shutting things down um, at all? You know, like who or uh, or what is the, the impetus for that? Like, is it Mahomes getting sick? And I joke about that, but I do wonder if the, if the NFL has some type of a hierarchy of, well, we can't lose this person because it, you know, it, it hurts. It hurts the brand, and I wonder how much these leagues are thinking about the brand more than they're thinking about the players. And I understand too, like the players have family; they need to get paid. All that stuff. It's so complicated. I just don't see how all of these leagues are going to figure out a way to get to the end when the NFL has, you know. It, it, and I said, I think weeks ago, like, are they going to hit a place where they're scheduling themselves into a corner and they can't get out of it because they've run out of bye weeks and they run out of of time? I mean, think about. The Ravens-Steelers game could potentially be played like within the next week's cycle. <laughs> that, that screws up so many things. That screws up so many things. I mean, down to just an entertainment piece of, of fantasy football, even if you're not gambling. So, how do they do that? Like, how does that all of a sudden, you know, become realistic? If they're going to stick to this timeline and they're not going to change it, like, what's what is the line for them to consider making a drastic change? That yes, they'll have to do something difficult in the couple of seasons next but if it benefits you know everybody involved i mean we're not talking about just players either players coaches trainers like all these people that are involved i mean there's so many people that are involved and there's already so many people that aren't making money because they're playing anyway and i think Cleve, you and i talked about this on the deep ticket but you know vendors you know parking attendants mm-hmm. all of those people that are currently not you know, employed because most of the places like the people aren't coming to the game. I mean, think about all the hotels that are near these stadiums. That um, True. when I lived in in New Jersey before moving here, I lived near a hotel that actually had Jets players and Giants players come in because they were entrusted enough on a home game to come from their house. Uh, they were like, "Oh, we got to put these guys in the hotel." So those places aren't getting any revenue um, mm-hmm. for right now. So there's, yeah, there's a, it's a lot of economic impact but at some point to both your guys points on on and, and off at what point do we say this is so dangerous or this is enough because like you said matt everyone going back home that's a train cook a server in the cafeteria everyone's coming into contact with each other and this is like a super spreader event this is you know and today's point about the and he said this a few weeks ago and it was like how many teams are going to play these enough games to qualify 
for a shot at something. And he's saying Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country right now, but could potentially have to either be forced to play this game if Michigan State wants to play, <laughs> or they forfeit their chance to even go into a title shot. Dave, what do you well, think about this? Sorry. Uh, Dave, I was going to ask, you know, because it's, it's like college football kind of, uh, it, it frustrated me because I thought they had a lot of time to figure this out. Whereas like the NBA, the NHL were in midseason and they had to stop and then restart. But college football, and I get it, we didn't think that it was going to go on this long and that it was going to be what it was. But it felt like college football, the conferences had a lot more time to figure out a plan before getting to the place where the Big Ten is now at the, you know, where the, some of their teams might not even qualify because they don't have any schedule wiggle room. Do you feel like they could have figured some things out earlier or do you think they did the best that they could given the circumstances? The only moral pathway for college athletics to take during this pandemic is to not play. There is absolutely no reason to risk these kids and their health and their family's health for, for anything especially because they're ostensibly not not getting paid. And if they are getting paid, they're not supposed to be yet or whatever. And so one point that I heard um, Brian Cook of MGO Blog make, he said that college sports could, sur- could survive and operate in the pandemic, but amateurism cannot. And we'll have a whole episode around amateurism and college sports in the offseason when we need stuff to, stuff to talk about. But basically, you can't bubble the college kids because they're not employees. You know, you can't force them away from from their families because they're not they're not employees. And then you shouldn't risk them because they're unpaid college kids. So everything that all these colleges, uh, that these universities, the conferences have done, I think is morally incorrect. And they should not have been playing at all. If they are going to play, I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did it correctly by taking the time to try to fully understand the risk associated with this virus to the athletes. But in doing so, by taking that time, they do not give themselves enough time to have any backup plans in case something goes wrong, which is what's hitting Ohio State now. But I'd still rather have Ohio State and not have a chance to play for a title because they had to get games canceled with no makeup time than have like Memphis and Cincinnati running out there on Labor Day playing and having no mm-hmm. idea what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so as far as the college games go, you know, I'm actually kind of upset that they're playing that they're playing at all because the structure of the sport, um, not the games that are played, but the sports themselves, like all of it, just doesn't allow for the sort yeah. of control that you should have in order to do this safely, like the NHL and the NBA had. And I think this also speaks volumes beyond sports to where these conferences like the Big Ten and the Pac twelve had to take the time because we didn't have any information. Uh, and even on a government level, we barely had any help in getting to a better place. I mean, I think when when college football started and the NFL started, the pandemic looked at least marginally better than it does now. Not marginally, it looked t- tremendously better than it does right now. And we're talking, I think, four and a half million cases in, no- in the month mm-hmm. of November. Yeah. Like, we're how many months into this? And we're going up at that astronomical level? Like, and... I just remember people that I know saying, well, you know, who cares about the athletes because they're young and they can get over it? And I'm like, you don't know that. You don't know that for certain. Like you're making an assumption that it's somewhat like the flu, but then the same, you know, the same people will tell you, talk about, uh, I think it was the uh, guard or the center for the Cowboys who got um, that secondary nerve damage disease because of getting just the flu. And we actually know more about the flu than we do about COVID. And, so making the assumption that well these kids will bounce back because they're they're in their they're in their prime is kind of horseshit because how do we know that like we don't know that at all and so it's 
you're probably right. They probably did the best that they could, given the information that was privy at the time. And we still don't even really know. I mean, long haulers, uh, you know, these these heart conditions, like we just don't know at what level and at how long some of these things are going to last. And I, Dave, I agree with you. Like Cleve and I actually said that if there was any athlete who said, I'm not playing this year in college, we were all for it because hell, they're not getting paid. Why should they risk it? I mean, we're talking about not only risking their, their health, but for some of them, like Trevor Lawrence getting COVID, he was potentially risking his livelihood yeah. and his professional career going forward. And it's just interesting. And he was one of the, the, the guys who said we we should be allowed to make the choice. And there was a huge argument over whether you know they're they're too young, they shouldn't be allowed to make the choice. And people were like, well, they're adults, let them make the choice. But and Cleve, the athlete's perspective is always let's go out and play. Mm -hmm. And that's through injuries and, and and many things. And sometimes you have to save people from, from themselves, themselves in yep. instances like this because yep. You can't make the right call because you're not thinking about it. You're thinking about it from your heart and not necessarily using your brain. Mm -hmm. It's so the whole thing is so complicated. And the fact that we're in week twelve of 12. the NFL, mm -hmm. right? Of this of this show, and I consider this the Matty Ice era before it was the pre Matty Ice era. Um, you know, it's like we're still talking about it, and we're talking about it more than we did when I first came. Yeah, yeah I mean, Dave sad. and I, yeah, Dave and I opened with with our COVID monologues. <laughs> 12 weeks ago we're still here Dave um what is the NHL doing anything I haven't heard anything about are they trying to come back or what's I don't know specifically what the NHL is going to do or what they're trying to do they have a couple of um major issues one is that there's a few teams in California and the other is that there's teams in Canada and Canada is not playing around with this like the United States has been under Trump right so if they're not going to be yeah. bubbling up the rules for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks are going to be way different than for the Dallas Stars and the Florida Panthers, you know what I mean? So they have even more things to try to get through. But unlike the other leagues, like Matt said, uh, worry about going out of business, the NHL is the least financially solvent and stable of all the leagues. So they're going to find a way to play somehow. They might delay it, shorten the season. We'll pretend like it's a lockout. Delay it to mm -hmm. February, shorten the season bubble for the playoffs, something like that. I mean, I'm sure they'll come up with uh, something to do, but I don't know specifically what um, what it is that they're going to that they're going to do. Um, so I do. Oh, go ahead. Go I hate, ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you. I hate to sound like like so selfish, and I'm going to say something selfish. You ever meet people that don't like their their chicken touching their potatoes on a the plate? They want they're eating it on the same plate, but they don't want the food touching. I don't want my sports to touch. It's like all the sports are running into each other. You got to choose. Do I want to watch a playoff baseball game or do I want to watch a, a, uh, a college football game? Like, what is going on? So it's it's such a mess with the scheduling that it's like it's throwing off even viewership. Like, well, what do I want to watch? It's actually it's perfect for, for today because we are overstimulated to the max already. And our sports aren't touching. Our sports generally don't overlap in this fashion. And we already still have, I mean, think about all of the television content you could possibly want just at your fingertips and then adding the sports onto it. It's almost as if it was meant to be because we, we shouldn't have specific times for these sports. It's like the pandemic happened so we can just lump them all in at once and we have no idea what we want to watch. Um, it's almost a perfect perfect setup to be honest well the reason i said that is because dave is a dave is the actual example of this because they watch college football on saturday and then nfl on sundays but if a, if a if ever if an nfl game gets moved to a saturday or whatever it's gonna mess with how he wants to watch i'll make it work sports. that's that's why i said that i was gonna say i'm sure dave has a hierarchy <laughs> he has 50 tvs point. going <laughs> 
He might. I mean, but also, I'm sure you guys have one, like a hierarchy of of what we would like to watch. Like, if our teams are competing, you figure out a way to either watch both or one of them just gets thrown by the wayside because the other one's more important. I've done that. Yeah. I mean, there's no red zone for college football yet. Somehow I still managed to take in in a lot of it. So I do want to move on to the um, the games from this past week. Uh, and because we have to go all the way back to Thanksgiving and the very first one that we have to talk about, we talked about all this bad news with the pandemic, but we finally got some good news here. The Texans 41, the Lions 25, Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn got fired. I am so happy about this. I mean, Matt Patricia is a trash coach. By all counts, he's a trash human being. I'm so glad that he is just out of there and we don't have to deal with him anymore. And I'm not even having even thought about like who I want them to get or anything, anything like that. I'm just glad that he's gone. I only have a couple other notes on this game. The first is that Deshaun Watson, 17 to 25, 318 yards, four touchdowns, no pick. That's pretty good, especially for such a young guy, Cleve. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, Will Fuller got six games uh, suspended, so into next season for performance enhancing drugs. Was it a banned substance, or did he really? Oh, was he juiced like he's juicing? Like what? I didn't know what. He, what he said they he got was given something to help him get over an injury that he was told was was perfectly fine and legal to take, and then turns out it was. I don't know why like, these guys. These guys, they mortgage that. I don't know why they. Uh, Cleve, uh, yeah, Cleve, like you're you're a trainer. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a trainer of an NFL player or some professional player, mm-hmm. aren't you educating yourself on every single substance that's on the base have to. to make a thousand or that you you're not have doing to. this? Like, how long are we? And I'm not saying that he did it maliciously, but like, how long are we going to use this? Well, we didn't know. Well, you're getting fucking paid to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You're getting paid a lot of money. And I'm talking about the trainer. Like, it's one thing for the athletes not to know. But as an athlete, too, you should know of everything that's going into your body also. And, you know, I just don't understand how well my trainer thought it was good or whatever it was and it's like how do they not know like unless the list is changing on a week-to-week basis which i don't think that it is shouldn't they know 100 percent? like hey if we're not sure maybe let's not take it to your point matt you can actually google the fucking list of, what, of what the nfl considers a banned substance i mean they have they still have deer ant on there that that ray lewis took like ten thousand years and i'm like yeah so i don't know what he got popped for but to your point matt these guys are mortgaging a lot. Like, what if they were in a playoff situation, like, you know, a playoff hunt, and they needed this guy for, for the fucking rest of the season? He's gone like now. I, but I'm trying to think about you, right? Like, you're somebody who takes a lot of pride in your work, and it's like, you would never let that happen. Like, you would be doing as much research as possible. And if you weren't sure, you'd be saying, look, I don't think we should do this. we got to find another way because we're not going to take the risk. Like, I just don't get it. I don't understand why... The players are willing to say, "Well, we thought it was okay, but then it's not." Like it just seems like a dumb risk to take. I do it every, I do it every so often, where someone comes to me and be like, "Hey, I went to GNC and they got this product. Should I try this?" I'm like, "Listen, first of all, you need to know what's in it. Second of all, talk to your doctor before you try to take anything because you may have a heart condition. You may have something going on that you don't even know, and you're taking stuff that's because they're touting it. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So yeah." Um, Quick note on the on the on the, uh, the Patricia thing. Um, so Dave, was it because it was a home game? They finally got tired of this. It's like we're done. Or what was the like, what was the uh, straw? I think the straw was that he took over a nine and seven team, and this season is actually one of his best that he's had so far. 
I think the I think the the straw was just it's Thanksgiving weekend and Black Monday and that sort of went happened. Well, it was Black Saturday because it was uh, they played they played on Thanksgiving. You know, it's the time of year we typically do it. They want to start the search, and clearly, like it's it's just it's just not working. I mean, if it weren't for the fact that the Lions don't get talked about a lot, and for Bill O'Brien being around making his bad moves. I mean, Matt Patricia traded Darius Slade to the Eagles, like a fourth-round pick, because Slade wanted out because the first thing Patricia did when he got here was insult his manhood in front of the team. Wow. Like, you know, this this guy sucks. I'm glad he's gone. Bob Quinn seemed to be an okay GM, but he hired Matt Patricia and fired Jim Caldwell, so you're gone too. You know, thanks for Kenny Galladay, but you got to go. So, yeah, so, so I'm, just, I'm happy about I, it. <laughs> I think, I think, and even the shot at, they could have had Adam Gates as yeah. well in that building. There's like, you know, just for even thinking that this could have been a possibility, you're fucking gone. Yeah. This is a total body of work award. Like it was, right? Like this is, it wasn't a straw. I, 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 I'd I, like to think that it probably wasn't a single straw that happened like in this game. It was just, all right. Like this, because if you, anybody who watched that, you saw, like, just horrible. Like, and it, they shouldn't be this bad. I know they're missing Swift and they were missing Galladay, but at, at the same time, I mean, well, I think the Lions are four and sixteen in in the last uh, uh, or something like that in Thanksgiving games this century or something. I, was, I saw some stat that was something like that or home. Yeah, you know, it's like how? <laughs> like it, this is their week. This is their game. I felt like they should have looked a lot better. And I, Matt Patricia just doesn't seem to have it. And he seems to think that he does. Like I said weeks ago, he has the most bravado and confidence of a guy who's earned absolutely nothing. Yeah, <laughs> strong me- and yeah, yeah what strong the fuck? I don't get guy energy with uh with Matt Patricia. One, just yeah. <laughs> but by by the way, this game was the uh, Belichick uh, coaching tree bowl because it was Matt Patricia versus Romeo Cornell in this game. So let's uh wow, uh, the in- interesting little tidbit there. Romeo Cornell back around the bench out coaching Matt Patricia. <laughs> oh, that's right. And also not a trash yes. human being. Seems to be by all accounts a pretty decent. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so that's I mean, so that's it for uh, for that game. And you know, as we get more things about the Lions and who they're looking at, stuff like that, I'll have more more thoughts on it. As of right now, I'm just happy that that uh, that that. Patricia is gone. The next game we had also on Thanksgiving, the Washington football team 41 at the Dallas Cowboys 16. Uh, first of all, that's basically like the same score as the first game, but this bit like more, more of an ass kicking. Like Dallas looked absolutely terrible. And I have the um the two running back stat lines here to sort of demonstrate this. So Antonio Gibson, the rookie mm-hmm. running back out of Memphis for Washington. 20 carries, 115 yards, and three touchdowns. Zeke, 10 carries for 32 yards. Yeah. <laughs> how's and that, another, how's that another loss working fumble, out? Yeah. But another lost fumble. Zeke has, like, <laughs> he's fumbling like Danny Dimes was. I think he's lost five or six this year. Like, Jeez. you're paying that guy a lot of money to just cough up the football in totally not the right like, place. He always coughs it up in a place where you're like, oh, that's yep. like the worst. Yeah, place. I mean, that whole team is just completely cratered, and they are... They are done. I did say that last on the last episode. I said the winner of this game would win the division, uh, and Washington is now tied for first place at four and seven. And you know what? I think we'll get to what's going on with the Giants coming up pretty soon. But I think that Washington actually has to be considered the favorite now to win to win this division, which is an insane thing. Like if you had told me this twelve weeks ago, <laughs> I, I would not have believed it at all. And we and if we told you it was happening with Alex Smith, you believed it even less, even better, right? But like, Dave, 
you made that prediction, and as I watched the games this weekend, I thought everything that Dave needed to happen to make this seem like a plausible outcome of this winner of this game, like all of it happened. All of it happened, and I was like, he's gonna be friggin' right. He's so good. He's a time traveler. I'm convinced he's a fucking time traveler. He gets in like a fucking, like a like a a fucking DeLorean or some shit, and he's like. But Goes to the one, future, come back. <laughs> one thing about this call, and I texted you guys about this off the the fake punt on fourth and ten from like your own twenty two yard line. There isn't a advanced metric in the world that's going to tell you that that's the right move. Like that was such a bonehead call, <laughs> and they didn't like. I think they got to the line of scrimmage. It was like, man, they couldn't even execute. Yeah, I mean, call, so, right? uh, yeah, so the, the uh. Cowboys ran a fake punt fourth and ten from their own territory when the game was still. You know, they were behind, but the game was still, you know, still competitive. And first of all, if it's fourth and yeah. 10, you don't want to run a reverse. Uh, you have to be 15 no. yards to pick it up. If you're going to do that, you don't want to run it with Cedric Wilson when you've got C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper on your team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially That's in such funny. a high leverage, high leverage situation. Um, also, just punt. <laughs> and, and I don't say that a lot, yeah. but like, <laughs> just punt the ball. Like, you really think you can't stop Alex Smith? If so, what does it matter what you do? So... Um. Yeah. So yeah, here we are. Week going to week thirteen. Alex Smith is the best uh, quarterback in the division. <laughs> I mean, Alex Smith had 149 yards passing. <laughs> They're not letting him throw it downfield for what reason? Like he didn't hurt his shoulder, did he? It was his fucking oh, leg. Oh, he's back. He's back to that Kansas City year where he didn't throw a touchdown to a wide. I think it was some. I think in the first half he threw one pass to a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, all he's, he, well, he knows the rule. He doesn't throw any dust balls, so he's throwing it to Terry McLaurin. <laughs> wow. Okay, so, uh, so going on now, we have the Sunday 1 p.m. games. In the first game I have here, we have the Chargers 17 at the Bills 27. And at first glance, this seems like a really low-scoring game and a low total for the Chargers, only scoring 17, um, especially getting Austin Eckler back. And we'll talk about this a bit a bit more expansively in the offseason as well, but I do want to do a quick touch on... Uh, implied team totals so when you have you have the total the spread for a game right like such and such team is favored by such and such points and then you have the over under you know will the teams combine for more points or less points in this number you can combine those and get the implied amount of points each team is expected to get so for example let's say that the lions mm-hmm. are playing the jets the lions are favored by 10 and the over under is well, that means that what the what those numbers are saying is that the final score of the game should be Lions 30, Jets 20, right? Lions by 10, add up to 50. The Chargers in this game opened with an applied team total of 23, which was very low and like immediately stuck out. Then they got the news that Austin Eckler was going to be back and it went up to 24. So it went up a whole point, which is, you know, a lot. It means that there's getting a lot of action on it. But then as it got closer to Sunday, it dropped again to 23 and a half. And that means that all the sharks, all the people who know what they're talking about and are willing to put their money where their mouth is, all came in on the under for the game. And you can't always look at things like this and as predictive. You know, Vegas gets things wrong. Betters get things wrong all the time. You know, that's why they play the games and all that. But there are instances where you can see these patterns and you're like, the people who know best know something I don't. And they were absolutely right here because the Chargers were awful. This game was terrible to watch. And I don't get it. They have two exciting quarterbacks. Austin Eckler is back. Wide receivers all over the field. But it was just it was just an awful game. Yeah, Herbert threw 52 times. 
uh, and that only amounted to 17 points. You know, sacked three times. Yep. Eckler had a ton of touch and made use of those touches, and yet it didn't amount to anything for them. And the Bills, I mean, Josh Allen had eh day. It's not like he lit it up. It's not like anything like that happened. And so it just was a really weird game. It didn't, there, had, there was no flow to it. I didn't quite enjoy it. Like every time I came on Red Zone, I found myself doing something else. So I don't really have any more to say about it. It's just a really weird game where it's like the Bills didn't play so well offensively that it was like mind-blowing but at the same time the Chargers probably should have done a little bit better especially getting Eckler back and that maybe that go- proves your Anthony Lynn theory that he's just well, yeah well we'll prove <laughs> the Anthony Lynn theory here uh Khalib get a load of this so at the end of the game the Chargers are down by 10 obviously it's 27-17 oh uh, they have no timeouts they mm-hmm. throw basically a Hail Mary that gets down to the one yard line um 30, they get lined up with 31 seconds to go. Clock running first down at the one and no timeouts. Now, Cleve, you're down by two scores. The clock is running with 31 seconds left. You're at the one-yard line. What play do you call? Either quarterback sneak or goal line okay. fade. Go, Matt. So they do a deep handoff to the to Eckler, who gets stuffed. Um, and yeah. they ran out of time. So... I think Anthony Lynn is not a good head coach. He should not be making these sorts of decisions. I wouldn't be shocked if Anthony Lynn is actually a good offensive coordinator. Um, if the Lions hired him next year to be offensive coordinator, I don't think I'd be that mad about it. But I don't think he should be a coach because clearly in these high leverage situations, he literally has no clue. what He's he's what we say in, uh, in poker. He's just pressing buttons. He just, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just out there clicking, hoping something works. They're on a one yard line and they can actually score and probably get an onside or something, right? I mean, that's, well, yeah, well, that's what you guys well, are kind well, of... For one, they could spike it and stop that. the clock, right? Um, so what, yeah. personally, what I would do in that situation, I would spike it, stop the clock, one pass to the end zone. If it doesn't hit, field goal, onside kick. Because you need as much time as possible if you get the onside kick. Yes, um, yes. But even then, you can make the argument, you take all, all both down, second and third to the end zone, and then kick on fourth because you can chuck a Hail Mary if you get the onside kick for the win or something like that. So there's different ways to do it. But a deep, straight handoff to Austin Eckler with the clock running is not. That's not the move. No matter what. That's not. That's what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah, and I think I even beat you to the take, Dave, uh, that day. I was like, what on earth? That was about the most Anthony Lynn call ever. And it did nothing to put them in a position to even be close. Like, I get it. 30 seconds, no timeouts. Highly unlikely that you're going to get the onside kick. But... That play basically made it impossible that they could even yep. have a chance to have some fluke hail mary. Completely impossible. I would love to see some sideline footage when of not just this game, but every time there's a bad call that comes into the helmet of the quarterback, he goes, "Are you guys sure? Like, are you sure?" Uh, the next game, the next game we have up here is actually one near and dear to, to Matt's heart. We have the Titans forty-five at the Colts twenty-six, and this game wasn't even that close. This game was an absolute hand blasting. <laughs> Eric Henry, 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Tannehill only threw the ball 22 times. This game was what personal the Titans want to play. Um, and they are by far the best team in the best division of football. Don't you agree, Matt? This is all I was asking for. <laughs> right? This is all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for the division to like the Colts stuck around, and I thought, shitting me? Like, this is so ridiculous. And the Titans just needed this. And I, as soon as Henry started, I think he cut the ball, like, five times in the first six plays, and I thought, it was, they're going to win. 
And I came back from putting Christmas lights up, and he had like 1,700 yards uh, on the ground in the first half. And I was like, hey, like, that's what we've been saying. And I was like, Mike Vrabel listens to political football because we've been saying it for two weeks now. And that's all I wanted. If this game was some bullshit 24-23 game that, like, the Colts eked out, I was going to be so... Let me ask you guys guys something. So, obviously, you know, we're, you know, at the point of the season where we're trying to lock up an MVP vote. Do you think Derrick Henry's no. an MVP run? Um, Matt? Uh, probably not. Not necessarily because he's not putting up the numbers, but I think it more comes down to, relatively speaking, running backs don't get the consideration. But if you take Derrick Henry off that team, pretty darn valuable. So you could make the argument yeah. in that that's respect. Why, well, that's why I asked, because MVP is obviously most valuable. If you, every highlight we saw of this game, was Derrick Henry running rough like he's booby fucking mouth. You didn't even see Tannehill throwing them. You didn't see shit else but Derrick trucking guys. And I'm like, wow, did anyone Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys a question. Tennessee is playing Kansas City on a neutral field. Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry. They have to run out Jeremy McNichols or whatever dust ball. But the Chiefs don't have Patrick Mahomes and they're starting Chad Henney. Yeah, so that, that was actually the place I was going to go with Cleve's argument about value because... I think when you look at value of the players that are being considered, it's like, I almost feel like the MVP award is almost Mahomes' tilt because he's clearly like he's clearly worth so much more value, at least in my mind, to the Chiefs than probably a lot of other players are to their respective teams. So, you talk, so, so you're telling me if you put, if you put Tannehill with that fucking off, they would have No, but you didn't ask if Tannehill's the MVP. You asked if Derrick Henry's the MVP. No, no, no right. I, I was asked if Derrick Henry's the MVP because... MVP to me, and again, you know, this is like where I get kind of convoluted with, with my thoughts. It, it's like if you take him off that team, they, they have no shot. They have no shot. They, he's an absolute weapon. And Mahomes, like you said, if, if he goes down, I don't even know who the backup in KC is. I, I've never even seen a backup. Chad Henney. Right? Ch- Chad Henney's still in the league? Wow. Right? Is that who it is? I think that <laughs> hey, was Ford. Hey, Chad Henney Chad Chad scored on his zone read forever. option keeper earlier this year, okay? You were putting some respect <laughs> on Chad Henney's name. Michigan has nothing going for it. You will respect Chad Henney. All right, so so since the consensus is that I was, and I, and I, I too have Emma Holmes is, is the MVP right now. Nope. Anyone else close? Nope. Not really. <laughs> well, here's my here's another scenario, Cleve, because I know you like it when we put other players on other yes. teams. But like, if what if Mahomes was the quarterback of the Titans, would um, would Henry be nearly as valuable and have the kind of production that he does? Mm. Uh, that's that's because your whole game plan changes with a guy who changes the entire friggin' game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's why I, I kind of lean towards Mahomes because, in, in like I think I said this last week, like he's changed a lot of how we view this game. And he makes throws that like nobody on the planet can make, <laughs> right? And and in a way that you would tell a high school quarterback, don't like you know. And so if you put him on a team with Derrick Henry, you got two weapons. But who's more valuable there? Mm-hmm. I would have to say Mahomes would be more valuable because he's also throwing to AJ Brown, who, as we said, at six foot is like a seven foot tall receiver. Mm-hmm. So it's like. I don't know. It's that. That's kind of the way I think of it. Like, is he having a phenomenal season? Yes. But if we're talking about pure value to your team, <laughs> it's hard to make an argument that anybody else is closely about Mahomes. Well, I mean, touchdown, thirty to thirty to two interceptions. That's probably going to clinch it for me. But I just wanted to. I just wanted to put that out there. It says, well, you know, we're looking at most valuable play. Like Derrick Henry can actually. He he can actually propel them into this, into like well, the yeah, playoffs. I don't want to be pedantic. And ride part of the issue here too is the question you asked. You asked, can Derrick Henry win the MVP? The answer is no. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. If you asked, is Derrick Henry playing at an MVP level? Well, that's a different question. And the answer is probably yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, the answer is yes with that. I mean, um, it's clear. Okay, so okay. the Titans now have taken firm control of that division, and unless something weird happens, they should they should end up sealing, sealing that division in the next couple weeks. The next, <laughs> better not. I'm sitting the, on the uh, podcast. The next game we have here was actually a really weird game. The Panthers 27 and the Minnesota Vikings 28. Um, the, there's two things I want to note about this game. The first is that Kirk Cousins went 34-45, 307 yards, three touchdowns without Adam Thielen. The Panthers shut out the Lions last week. Um, and then the next thing is that the Panthers scored two scoop and score fumbles in this game, uh, which led to like a really weird game script where Devlin Cook didn't really get to be involved with that much. Um, but defensive touchdowns are not replicable. This was an odd game for it to be this close. I think the Vikings actually demolished the Panthers in this game. Yeah, what on earth happened at the end with the potentially blocked extra point, the guy was offsides, then they make it, and then the Panthers get down to kick a 50-something yard field goal, which goes way right. The whole, game, the whole the game, game was strange. Very, you have two defensive touchdowns. So they were like back-to-back, too. Like back-to-back series. That just blows everything mm-hmm. out, of, out of the water. I, I think if this is a best-of-seven series, the, the Vikings win in five. Yeah, I was actually, I came away from this game much more impressive with Minnesota um, than you would think given a one-point win over the Panthers. So, I think as of today, because eight teams make the playoffs on each side, correct? Seven, okay. Well, the, the Vikings are in eight in the eighth spot in the NFC. And earlier this year, we talked. You, you talked about, Dave, how they mm-hmm. you know, were old on defense and they really weren't that good. Um, if Had they not lost to the Cowboys, they'd be six and five. Are they playing above their skill level right now and is Zimmer actually you know doing a good coaching job at this uh, point? So they, they got just some real outlier like performances. Let's not forget that Devil Cook went over 202 games in a row. Um, yeah. Kirk Cousins, I mean, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is playing great uh, here. They do have Jefferson coming on. I mean, I think they're clearly the second best team in the NFC North. I don't think that's, I don't think that's in, in doubt. Their defense has also started playing a little bit better. I'm not entirely sure why that is. Like, I don't watch them close enough to know the X's and O's on that. I don't know if it's sustainable about better teams. It's possible they can sneak in in the seventh spot because the NFC West might cannibalize themselves. But even if they do, they would go to the that they would go to the second best division winner, which would either be Seattle, New Orleans, or Green Bay on the road in the first round and they're going to lose by a million so yeah but dave in this game your your theory was correct no adam Thielen, her cousins yep. knew the rule he's through to justin jefferson 13 yep. times absolutely i mean for two and, and cousins knows, knows the rule anyways if Thielen was there he would have thrown to both of them 25 times yep. Yep. and it's funny over the weekend i mentioned many times to my family i was like the dust ball rule remember it well because when you watch games now, you're going to see a correlation between dust balls and losing. And my brother-in-law was like, that's crazy. I was like, just watch. It ab- comes up absolutely. more often than you think um, it does. The next game we have here, uh, just dust balls all over the place. And this one due to injury. Browns 27 at Jacksonville 25. Um, so this is this is actually had a game theory situation in it that I want that I want to go over with you guys. So the Browns are winning 27 to 19. They are at the Jacksonville 21 yard line. It is fourth and inches with five minutes to go on the game. Do you go for it or kick a field goal, Matt? I'm going for it. Uh, probably well. Five minutes to go, up by eight at five the 21 yard line, fourth and inches. So while I would like, I would probably err on the side of going for it only because I know what I have in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, if you kick a field goal, it's an 11-point game, which is still reachable, at least within two scores. So if you go for it, 
you're not necessarily guaranteed a touchdown, but you are taking some time off the clock and you may score a touchdown. So what's interesting here is that I didn't mention it in the last game on purpose. The Panthers had a similar situation of 21 to 13 and they kicked to go up 24 to 24, 13 by 11 ended up losing. The Browns went for it. Didn't make it. Uh, Jacksonville went down the field, scored, and missed the two-point conversion. So they got 27-25. I actually think I would kick in this situation, this specific situation, because the Jags quarterback was Mike Glennon. And if Mike Glennon is going to score on me twice in five minutes, I deserve to lose the game and my job. True. But I think, uh, like, we've talked about how the result no, it has doesn't no, no the call up back. So they didn't make it. Right, they didn't make it, which means yeah. they just didn't execute a play that they couldn't get a few in. Fine. I don't know. I don't remember what the play call was, if it was something, because sometimes teams get a little too cute and they try to do, like, a, a, a toss or something like that with way too many moving parts when you're only trying to get, you know, half a yard. But... I can understand, you know, I, that's why I, I kind of hemmed it hard because kicking it does put you up by 11 against the team that you should, that you are a lot better. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's that killer instinct of saying, well, we've got two great running backs. Let's go for it and, and put the game out of reach. Do you guys trust so, defenses at, at all? That if you go for it, get it, um, get a stop? Do you guys, do you guys uh, So know? it's not about trusting defenses or anything like that. It's just about, it's really about the opportunity afforded the other team to win the game. What decision makes it harder for the other team to win? Yeah. And in that case, typically in the situation you go for it, all things are even. If the two teams are even and the skill levels are even, this is a go for it situation mm -hmm. for sure. I just think in this exact circumstance, an 11 point lead with five minutes to go against Mike Glennon should be a 38 point lead right against the normal against a normal quarterback so in this exact instance this is one of the instances where i would actually let the situation like the variables within the game dictate this close situation but in general i agree matt that in cleave that this is a this is a go for it situation okay yeah and you could probably like and that's where had i said i'd kick a field goal it's like either one of them is actually a fine decision like this doesn't strike me as the kind of scenario that we've talked about before it's very clear what you should be doing in this situation like we've talked about cliff kingsburg settling for field goals too often in situations where he should be going for it this is not what this is like both of those decisions the browns make it it puts them in a better position to win and gives jacksonville less of a chance to win they kick the field goal and make it 11 it kind of does the same thing it would probably be an even, almost a toss-up as to whether one was the right call or not. Because we're probably not talking about it the same way if the Browns... Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the, the situation is, um, uh, actually, I, I was just going back and re-watching, like, the end of the game. So I would have brought it up anyway, so I thought it was an interesting, an interesting situation. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the Panthers just kicked. The Browns went for it. And I think going for it just is, is correct. The last thing I want to mention on this game is uh, Nick Chubb is having a great season, even though he missed, like, six games. 19 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. I also love yes. that he runs gloveless, I'm pretty sure, most of the time. Or yeah, at least he did in some of the bad games, Lewis. and I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah, I never even noticed that. Yeah, by the way, yes, he is. By the way, Cleve, this is one of two stories this week where a team <laughs> and a player told you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> we'll get to that game yeah, later. Uh, Cleve, coming, you, need to, you need to really prepare yourself now. Or not just Cleveland making the playoffs because they are going to make the playoffs, but they could actually win a game or two in the playoffs. Like, are you fully prepared for the Cleveland Browns in the AFC title game, dude? I well, with the Jets having the season that they're having, it's I I'm I'm all wrong. For anybody looking for an early Christmas gift for Cleve, a Baker Mayfield jersey would fit perfectly well in his. Class. Please do not, <laughs> please.
<laughs> with a big number one on it for when he got picked number one. Baker squad. Holy uh, shit. The next wow. game here I'm we stupid. have uh, for the for, to make that one listener happy, we have the Giants 19 at the Bengals 17. Uh, yes. This was, <laughs> yeah, this game this was, was awful. Miserable. I don't want to spend too much <laughs> time on this game. There's just a couple things I did want to note. The first is that the Giants are now tied for first place with Washington. However, Danny Nichols did get hurt in this game and is going to miss, quote, some time, which means Colt McCoy is their quarterback. But the question is, <laughs> we have to yep. do, we have to start doing this segment on what, what guys, give me a name and is this guy in the league anymore? That is insane that Colt McCoy Yeah, I mean, it could have been Colt McCoy. It could Giants have been are full Young. of them. It could have been Garrett Gilbert. It could have been any quarterback from the 2000s. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Chris Sims available. Like, I, so, I, I don't know. But, so, they have Colt McCoy. <laughs> Which is why, given how Wentz is playing, which we'll get to, the Cowboys are just done. Washington has the best quarterback in the division now with with um, Alex Smith. That's why they're going to win it. Sorry, Giants fans. Um, <laughs> one positive note in this game, though, is that mm-hmm. Jason Garrett finally started throwing the ball downfield to Evan Ingram. Uh, he had been using Evan Ingram like he's Jason Witten. These are like four-yard curl routes or whatever. Oh, this game, Ingram, they finally unleash Ingram. <laughs> Six catches, 129 yards for the Giants. Like, yeah, you think that's a good idea? They should keep doing wow. it going forward, assuming Colt McCoy can throw the ball down the field. Um, nothing on the Bengals. Joe Burrow's out for the year. Like, nothing they do matters. I hope they lose a lot so they get a good pick to put. They could put Jamar Chase with yeah, them or something. Hey, but a Bengals stat for you. A.J. Green, three targets. Zero yeah, oh, A.J. Green. Like A.J. Green is, is dust ball. total dust. A.J. Green makes Larry Fitzgerald look like prime Jerry Rice. <laughs> Damn. But, Cleve, check this out. So these are four names on the Giants' offensive stat sheet from this game. So we talked about Colt McCoy. I mentioned Alfred Morris last week. That totally threw me for a loop. Golden, T- Golden Tate is still in the league. Wow. He, by the way, had, he, by the way, had one pass attempt. Uh, and a former Patriots fame, Dion Lewis. What? Also on the Giants. Oh, my God. So you're running out the Dustball squad at 4-7 and seven and tied for first place in the NBA. Yeah, bad, bro. That's so bad. Yeah, and two of these players played for Washington, so that's <laughs> the even best part. They're like recycled dog shit. <laughs> Yeah, so while the Giants won this game, uh, going into next season, like the 2021-2022 season, I'd much rather be the Bengals than the Giants. That's all I'm saying. Um, Yep. Uh, The next game here, uh, we have the Cardinals 17 at the Patriots 20. Uh, Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you here in a second. I just want to note two things. The first is that Kyler Murray threw 32 passes, Mm -hmm. only seven to New Hopkins, but six to Andy Isabella. Um. that's Andy mm-hmm. Isabella Cleve. He went to UMass. Um, so I'm sure you talked a lot in college. Um, <laughs> and the, um, actually, I think Isabella's got some juice, but still, throw it more than a nuke. Uh, and then the golf and coaching ability here was just on full display. Like, this this was just a master class in coaching from Belichick, just destroying a guy who was not anywhere near his capabilities. That is exactly where I was going to go. Um Obviously, the Patriots didn't wow you on the stat, but they got a W against the team that was in playoff contention. They they may still be that you know I don't at six and five they're right on the cusp there, but I mean this was a game we talked about last week where we thought that Patriots were vulnerable enough that Kyler and crew could come in there and do a lot of damage. And this game very much reminded me of the Super Bowl against the Rams in in the sense of Belichick clearly out coaching one of the young up-and-coming coaches in the league and it was while the game was close at three points it felt like the coaching gulf wasn't that it was chess versus checkers and 
the talent, at least that the, the Cardinals had, kept them, you know, kept them somewhat in the game because the Patriots don't have a lot of firepower. But I, I was really happy with this win, obviously. And I keep thinking to myself, if some of these games that they had, you know, like not fumbling on the uh, in, inside the, the 15 against the Bills, you know, that's a game that they could have won. That stupid Broncos game, you know, that's a game they should have won. You know, there's some of those games now that stick out where it's like they're there are a couple of those stupid games away from being like seven and four instead of five and six. And if the Patriots end up finishing with a winning record at nine and seven, you could potentially make the argument that this is one of Bel- Belichick's better coaching jobs, given the fact that they have really no offensive firepower whatsoever. And they had all those players opt out. They get to nine and seven, bro. They're going to have to build a wing for Belichick and at Kent. I'm not saying that they will. But no, no, no. no. If they no, do, it, it's like, wow. To both your point, it's like I heard the clamor about, you know, Cam saying, you know, you know, I'll take the win or whatever. So, like, it must have been ugly or whatever. I don't know what His the backstory was. was. very ugly. It was 9 of 18 for 84 yards and two picks. Yeah. See, this is why red zone exists because if I would, if that's an in-market game, that's hard to watch. Now, I will also say Cam took a vicious hit. Um, he was running out of bounds. It very much reminded me of the Bledsoe. Um, and I think he got hit in the head. And like at the end of the game when they won, when Nick Folk hit the, the game-winning field goal, his level of excitement was not very much so. You know, and I kind of wondered if he was all there. Yeah, he might have yeah. been concussed. Yeah, he might have been concussed. It made me wonder because that was it. And he stayed on the ground for a good few seconds before he even moved. More so, Nate Robinson? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Nate's still on the canvas. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's still there. But it, I don't know if you saw that hit, Dave, but I saw that and wondered if maybe that had, you know, it didn't look like it was that bad in real time. But when you saw the helmet to helmet contact and he was basically out of bounds, uh, you kind of I, I wondered to myself if he got really rocked and they just didn't uh, either send him to the tent or didn't know it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that he was hurt on that play for sure, but I didn't think it was a head thing. I thought maybe he like aggravated yeah. the shoulder or something. Yeah, I don't um, know. It was a vicious hit, though. Yeah, it was it was it was not good. Um. Yeah, man, I sort of agree with you that if the Pats end up making nine and seven or something, that it's one of Belichick's way better coaching uh, coaching jobs. Also, uh, I know I'm just old and busted because you said the Super Bowl against the Rams and <laughs> the first young, one of the cover, and I was like, Dick Vermeil was like seventy. And that was my, <laughs> that was also my like <laughs> was not Dick Vermeil. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, no. they played the Rams eighteen years ago or whatever. So no, I meant the one that was totally forgettable. That game was. Yeah, it was totally forgettable. It's like, but yeah, like when you when you ask a boomer like who the top rock like who's top of the charts right now, they're like, I don't know, Van Halen. Like that's why I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Dick Vermeil, coach of the Rams. Um, so yeah, so then the uh, the next game we have here, uh, Cleve. We have the Dolphins 20 at the Jets 3. They didn't even uh, try. They no, they did try. not. They did not even try. Now, the only thing I have on this game is, uh, Cleve, I have a question for you. Yeah. Can you please name for me the two leading rushers for the Miami Dolphins in this game? Uh, well, <laughs> did Fitzy play? Yes, but he was not one of them. Oh, he wasn't one of them. Okay. Oh, <laughs> fuck. That takes away that. All right, I give up. Yeah. They, they are DeAndre Washington, 13 carries for 49 yards, and Matt Breida, 8 carries for 36 yards. <laughs> and again, they won by 17 points. Jeez. Well, that, that shows you that these fucking guys didn't even trot out there. For- yeah, no, no, they did not. Uh, Patrick Laird also got a carry uh, for 9 yards, but he fumbled. Um, so those are, those are the superstars <laughs> running over the Jets uh, in this game. And yeah, I mean, you had the same thought on the Jets that I did. They have completely given up. Yeah. And yeah. We'll get to their game that they have this week, 
But I think this week might be their last chance, or they are really, really staring down 0-16. Now, when you guys rattled off, go like what the schedule was, you had to play the old win-lose. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think, I mean, we lost to all our division for um, <laughs> at this point. Like you said, these guys have given up. And this is reason why he should be fired immediately. He's like, well, you lost the locker room a long time ago. No one's playing for you. No one's playing for themselves or playing for each other. It's This is a total shit show right now. Last five games for the Jets. Home against the Raiders at Seattle. Lost. At Rams. Lost. Lost. Uh, home against the Browns at, Lost. Patriot, at New England. Lost. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going 0-16. <laughs> so, a couple things. Um, first of all, Fitzpatrick got hit quite often he was sacked four times in this game so it does make me wonder if Tua is as hurt as they make it out to be or if they're kind of you know, maybe maybe we need to kind of think about his you know him going forward because they saw what happened last game he didn't play very well you know I wondered about that but Fitzy played pretty well I mean again they didn't have to do a whole lot uh, but we talked about Adam every week you ask why he still has a job and I saw a take that I never had considered but I think it's actually pretty plausible. And if the Jets are doing this, they are way smarter than we give them credit for. So they're probably that, not doing it. Well, they probably aren't. But <laughs> Damn, the, the, the theory that I heard, saw was that by firing Gaze, they might almost accidentally fire the team up and there could be some like mini winning streak that could cost them the first pick in the draft. Whereas keeping Gase at the helm, everybody hates him. <laughs> so they're not going to try. And so they'll, because right now, I mean, Jacksonville's one in, you know, they only have one win. So the Jets don't have like a stranglehold. If they lose, if they win one game, they could potentially lose the first pick, which would be catastrophic for them at this point because they've been <laughs> so bad. So... I thought that was interesting, and maybe the Jets aren't actively doing that, but if they, it, it is something that I hadn't considered because it's like, oh yeah, because sometimes with these really bad teams, they fire the guy that everybody hates, the next guy steps up who they would rather play for right now, and they win a couple games, and then it's like, all right, this guy ends up getting the gig, but I could see them, you know, not actively trying to do this, but I could also see that as a plausible idea. I yeah. mean, you heard Dave's stat line that two running backs... <laughs> Couldn't even combine for over 100 yards. Still ran, still ran these guys. Yeah, I mean, and they won I, by 17 points. I can see the Jets falling ass backwards into that strategy. I don't see them being sharp enough to be able to do it. I mean, the owner's not sharp enough to not go to jail for Trump. So it's not the <laughs> owner making that decision. The GM hired Adam Gase in the first place, so he needs to go to that decision. Adam Gase yeah. is Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. So, like, who in that organization would be clear enough to, to think of that? But I think that that is true. They should keep Adam Gay so they do keep losing so they can be sure to get Trevor Lawrence. I just don't know that the Jets have the capacity to actually think to do that. No, but Cleve, let me ask you, what happens if the Jets win a game in these last five? Like one of these playoff teams has a has an off day or doesn't need the game or something like that. What happens if they lose the number one pick? Like, where do they go? I mean, I know that there's, there, you're, when you're picking number two, there's a lot of talent, but we all know what they do. Yep. So what happens then? Like. That, that's almost catastrophic to think about, that if they win a stupid game and the Jaguars end up leaping over them somehow and, and get Trevor Lawrence, it's like, that, 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 that's, that's like the most catastrophic outcome for them. Even, even going 0-16 isn't as bad as... So you're basically telling me that Trevor Lawrence is somewhere right now holding some rosary, some rosary beads praying that they don't win the game. I mean, he's going, he's going to get to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, I mean, it's not like he's got what? good options here. Here's my question Honestly, though. The Jacksonville's probably a better a better fit for him. Lifestyle wise. Yeah. 
He can live in Florida <laughs> instead of having to live in New Jersey or like in the cold. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's just something to consider. You're probably right, Dave. They're probably not actively doing that. But by keeping him there, they are passively doing that, which I think benefits them if they go 0-16. I mean, obviously, like you don't want to go 0-16 and have that as part of your history. But if by doing so, it can turn the franchise around by getting Warren, it, then it, it's got to be something that, that needs to happen. I mean, the Lions went 0-16. Next year, got Stafford. Three years later, they were in the playoffs. Yeah. The Browns went 0-16 in 2018, as Matt pointed out to me. Drafted Baker. Two years later, they're going to be in the playoffs. So, like, yeah. I think that's the case. However, with Jacksonville and the Jets, I'm going to be picking one and two in some order. The first pick is Lawrence. The second pick is Justin Fields. Like, all yeah. the all the drama is going to be starting with pick number three. Um, so... It's either going to be Lawrence or Fields for for the Jets. I think Lawrence is a much better prospect, but they both have massive ceilings. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, so the, speaking of coaches that got fired, firing up the team to play well, we have the Raiders six at the Falcons forty three. Oh, I love I loved this game. This game was awesome, and I'm not I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure that the Falcons aren't going to blow this lead, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but they did win forty three to six. Now. I have a couple interesting things for you. Cleve, same question. Can you please name for me the two leading rushers for the Atlanta Falcons in this game? I have no clue, bro. So I got them for you. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Who are they? I believe we have Ito Smith. Correct. Is that correct? And Brian Hill, whoever that is. That is correct. No. Uh, so first of all, Brian Hill was awesome at Wyoming. Uh, he was a great college running back in the Mountain West. So I'm not surprised that he's stuck in the league. Um, but there's a reason why he's also not. Why he went to Wyoming, right? So, uh, yeah, Edo Smith, Brian Hill, the two leading rushers. Uh, Tony Brooks-James also got three carries. So, really trying out the superstars there. Now, the other thing I want to mention on this game is that Derek Carr, 22 of 54, 215 yards, no touchdowns, one pick, three lost fumbles. Here's what happened. They eventually pulled him for Nathan Peterman. Peterman came in and threw for 25 yards, no touchdowns, no pick. <laughs> because of Derek Carr's stat line and all the turnovers, Nathan Peterman scored more fantasy points this week than Derek Carr. Damn. Yeah, so if you had Derek Carr and you dropped him and started Nathan Peterman, you did better. Um, I don't recommend that. And the other thing is that the Raiders make people like an asshole twice. I First, I compare them to Mike Pence and they beat the Chiefs. Then I say the Chiefs are going to destroy them and they play them really tight and could have won. And then they come out and do this against the Uh Yep. And I think it's safe to say that John Gruden is not hard anymore um, after that. <laughs> <laughs> after that performance a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Jacob, 7K. Seven, seven uh, by the way, Cleve, speaking of guys who are uh, still in the league, we had a Matt Schaub sighting. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's right. He had three rushes for negative four yards. Are you kidding me? That's right. Which I assume. Yeah. <laughs> but still, we had a match job sighting, so put that in and smoke it, will you? Wow. Got it. Did uh, uh, the Gooden wear like the, the World War II battery pack and set with the, with the backpack radio guy? I don't know. Because when he wears it, that, they win. When he when he wears that, they win. I don't know. It's just, I don't know why I love this game so much. Like, I don't really have a John Gruden or the Raiders, but it tickles me when they were six and three and were like, Oh well, some of these six and three teams are going to come back down to earth, and boy, like this game crashed them down to earth. No, Dave, Dave called it three, three weeks ago. It's 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 in it's in our annals. Dave got the DeLorean, drove to <laughs> this week, fucking got the notes for the show, and drove back. Yeah, but think about this, Cleve. Right, the the 
the, the Falcons broke every dust ball rule in the book and scored 43 <laughs> points against the Raiders. So it's just, I loved this game for that reason because it was like, Matt Ryan's throwing it to, well, outside of Calvin Ridley, who, you know, may or may not be like half a dust ball. Calvin oh, Ridley's like, a stud. Oh, I'm not, I'm he not, is a stud, I, know, I am like, not, I'm not allowing that. <laughs> To continue on a is a very good NFL wide receiver. Play it out. The, the only reason I say that is because uh, my wife gets what I call Ridley every year in fantasy football. When she picks him up, he's got one catch for nine yards. She drops him, and then somebody else picks him up, and he gets like ten catches, 150 yards, and three touchdowns. I so he's so, I don't want to. She, she, she gets fraud. so mad at him. She can't, she can't. Stay. I don't want to say anything too rude about your wife or her league. That's fine. But if you're if you're ever thinking about drafting Calvin Ridley from your roster, you deserve to lose. And if you're in a league that has Calvin Ridley as a free agent, you should be winning that league going undefeated. Well, I picked him up and I'm three and eight, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> and, uh, and this is this this is also on a team with Derrick Henry and Patrick Mahomes, so that tells you how uh, awesome my GM skills are. Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. God, you're you're, you're you're like the Lions of fantasy football. We're gonna pick from the off season. <laughs> you know what? I, it's it's the, it is the weirdest thing because. The people that I'm playing against, none of them watch football. I mean, Chrissy does, but, like, not a lot. You know, she doesn't know it the way I do. And, like, the team that I drafted on paper, everybody's like, God, you're going to kill us. And then none of them panned out. So it's just, who knows? <laughs> Mahomes is the only one who panned out. But you know what? Mahomes is throwing to Tyreek Hill, who my wife had this week, and that's why she freaking beat. So there's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shit show over there. So, yeah, so not much else to say on that game besides the fact nope. the Raiders 43-6. to six. So I'm not too bullish on the Raiders' uh Going forward, uh, including next week, I think I think that it's going to be interesting when the Raiders go to the Jets next week. Um, the next game we have here, this is a game that I did want to talk about a little bit, but I also don't because it doesn't matter. The Saints 31 at Broncos 3. As I mentioned at the start of the show, the Broncos had no quarterbacks in this game because of COVID and contact tracing. They wanted to actually start their offensive quality control coach, Rob Calabrese, at quarterback, and the league said no. Jesus! That's yeah. fantastic. Oh, so they God. had to start Kendall Hinton, who they are lucky they had. He's a practice squad wide receiver, but I know that he played quarterback at Wake Forest until he lost the quarterback job at Wake Forest. That does not pretend well for starting the NFL. Um, nope. But he, he's got some athleticism. Like, as soon as I heard the name, I was like, they can run the ball all the time and maybe put up 13 points or whatever. They couldn't even manage to do that. First of all, I want to start with the winning quarterback in this game. Taysom Hill, 9 of 16, 78 yards, no touchdowns in a pick, and they won by 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Cleve, this is Kendall Hinton's stat line. Whatever you're thinking in your mind, it's worth it. <laughs> it's oh not God. that far off from that Rutgers stat line. Yes. It's really oh, it not. set me into a fucking rage. Yeah, yeah against the wrong <laughs> person. <laughs> one, one of nine for 13 yards and two picks. They're, they're better off giving the other guy the shot. I mean, I, I think he was the best option. The other thing, too, that we didn't that I didn't mention in the open, I want to make clear to the listeners, is that the Broncos got this news on Saturday. Yeah. You know, they didn't have all week I to mean, practice. They got the news Saturday morning. They wouldn't have quarterbacks for Sunday. And they told Kendall Hinton, first of all, if I'm Kendall Hinton, I'm not sure I accept no, this. No, I'm not going out there. No fucking <laughs> way. Like, you, you're going out there against against defensive ends that, that are hitting you, linebackers that are hitting you. And that's not your position. That's not your position. Like you, like you're gonna get hit way more than you are at wide receiver 
I'm sorry, at quarterback than you are at wide receiver on a practice squad. Like, that was so irresponsible, like, to have this game even played, where they were even going to consider that, that those two options was Yeah, and insane, we had discussed though. earlier, Matt, I think you have discussed this too earlier, that, you know, competitive advantage or competitive disadvantage due to COVID, how would the league respond? And it's pretty clear the league does not care at all about competitive no, they don't give a shit. You know what really pissed me off about this game? It was the... I saw a lot of people on Twitter, like, making fun of the guy. And I was like, he didn't ask for this. No, no, that's like, totally unfair. And, and, and let me say this. Like, if I had to be thrown out there, I'm not even sure I would have completed the lone pass that got completed. Like, it's not really a fair thing to say, like... I mean, the stat line's really bad, but what was the expectation there? You yeah. know? Like, yeah. I give the kid a lot of props for going out there and doing the best that he could on... What half a day's notice, right? Like almost for practice squad money at that. Yeah, I know the gamer. exactly. Yeah, but like all the credit to the guy. It, it's kind of the same thing as like the people that were trashing the uh, Sarah Fuller for you know kicking what they asked her to kick. They're like it's a shitty kick, and I was like, oh, like you could you. fucking do that. Yeah, like off. get out of here. Um, you know. But with this game, what really got was Drew Lock because right, you, you, uh, Jeff Driscoll testing positive. Like, who knows how that happened? And you can't necessarily fault somebody for testing positive if they've been doing all the right things. But, like, Drew Locke has a lot on the line. And it's not like his play has been so good that he could withstand to just be so cavalier about this mass stuff and screw the team over. And you have to ask yourself, is this the guy we really want to put? Oh, he's getting cut. He's right? out. <laughs> he's and, out. like, I just, it really pissed me off because I, and... I, I think who was, I can't remember who said it, but they're like, you know, oh, I think it was Orblowski, which I didn't necessarily agree with this, but I understood where it came from, where it was like, you know, there's there's a potential Matt Flynn situation for some of these quarterbacks where you come in and play really well and you could leverage that into something. But like the guys that are on this roster underneath Drew Locke, I don't think that's going to happen. No. So I thought that was a, a good take in theory, but not for this specific team. But that's all the, that's the thing for me was like, how in the hell does this happen? Like, I, I get it, okay? We're all fatigued with wearing masks and doing those things. But, like, I went to the grocery store at 6 a.m. this morning with a mask just because I didn't want to have to deal with a whole bunch of people. And this person, these people who are, like, there's a lot at stake for them, at least financially, way more than I make in my job in, like, an entire decade. Um, and and they, they, they just... They, they let their guard down on purpose. And that, that's what so I, I, one of the things, and I think you're exactly right there. And there are, so that's the problem at the individual level. Systemically and organizationally, there's a problem too. And the thing is, the Broncos have, nobody's expecting the Broncos this year once everybody got hurt and, and all that. Like everybody knew the Broncos were going to have a rough year. So nobody's paying a lot of attention to the coach. Vic Fangio is a moron. Uh, he's actually, I think he might be like a bigger moron than Anthony Lynn. I don't think this guy has a clue what he's doing uh, in game or macro level outside the game. Most of the team have a COVID quarterback. Uh, Bruce Arians was the first to do this. They signed Josh McCown and he told Josh McCown, you are just isolating at home. And if we lose all our yeah. quarterbacks, you're just coming into play. He might need him soon too. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, that's, that's the situation there. And you know, the Broncos never thought about this. You know, how do you not think you know you can't win a game without a quarterback. You can maybe win a game without wide receivers, but you can't win without a quarterback. Yes. Just yes. have somebody. Yeah. Just have some old fart who can learn a playbook quickly and can study it, who can come in and just give you a somewhat of a chance to win. I mean, at the given how bad Casey Hill played in this game, if Josh McCown was the quarterback for the Broncos, they might win, you know? Yeah. yeah. So 
that's uh, what I wanted to say on on uh, on that game on that game there. The next game I want to get to pretty quickly, just because I don't think there's that much here. Feel free though if I'm wrong to jump in with something. We have the 49ers 23 at the Rams 20. Um, I did think this was a very good game, and the only takeaway from this game that I had is that the Rams played terribly, and they're going to absolutely regret losing this game when playoff seeding comes around. Yep. Uh, 49ers have the Rams number. Uh, I think McVay has a losing record against the 49ers, but a stellar record against the rest of the division. I don't know why. Uh, it just seems to be that they, they play really bad against San Francisco. But I have to say, for San Francisco to be where they are, still competitively playing games with everything that's gone yeah. wrong for them is a testament to uh yeah. Shanahan. Like, he is a fantastic head coach. Yeah, he's way yeah. better than Big Fangio. And, and yeah, and that's in a division that is so top heavy. Like they're five and six. That's way better than we thought they were. And they're trotting Nick Mullins out there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're at such a disadvantage, but they are able to be competitive in these games. And that's I mean, I'm just impressed by it, to be honest. And you know that that division, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, this is great. Every single team in that division has a positive uh, point differential, whereas every team in the NFC East has a negative point differential. <laughs> nice. And the Jets are leading the league with a negative one seven. Jesus, so smoke that. Yeah. Of course. Also, of course. also, Matt, I was uh, looking at something similar, and because the Falcons yeah. beat the Raiders so bad, the Falcons now also have a positive point differential. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> this might be like three and eight or four and seven or whatever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this game's going to be very important when it comes time to seed the playoff teams. Even, assuming the Rams even make it now, but when it comes time to seed them, and who like do they have to go to Green Bay or whatever? They're going to like this one game swing is going to be very important for them. Um, the next mm-hmm. game we have the Chiefs twenty-seven and the Bucks twenty-four. And the first thing I want to say here is that Patrick Mahomes thirty-seven of forty-nine, four hundred sixty-two yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That's why Derrick Henry's not going to win the MVP. Um, uh, Ty Scum Hill went 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Jeez, so like a college. Like yeah, a college and, and I think, and, I, mm-hmm. and so this actually does come back to the dust ball rule because in the college game, you don't get a lot of people throwing the dust balls. The college game, they know you feed your stud players, right? So you see stat lines like receivers with 13 for 269 and three. Buffalo, uh, not the Bills, the University of Buffalo, uh, they're running back Jarrett Patterson this week. Four hundred oh, yeah. yards. Four hundred yards. Yeah, and it's like yeah. we just keep that giving him the ball because that's that's what you do. And the Chiefs sort of get that too. They throw it to Kelsey. They throw it to Tyreek. Um, and then they just sort of use the other guys for balance or little plays that are designed for them and their specific skill sets or whatever. Um, and then the final score of this game is a complete illusion. The Bucks never had a chance to win this game despite the three point mm-hmm. deficit. And I have a uh, just a. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are complete fraud. They're totally fraudulent. <laughs> I would even go so far as to almost say they're garbage and they don't deserve to make the playoffs. Like, I don't think they're good at all. However, the remaining schedule, I don't have it right in front of me. I know they played the Falcons twice and like two other garbage teams. They're currently seven and five. They are going to finish 11 and five. And I'm, yeah. I'm, very, I'm very upset about it. I'm actually scrolling through now. Um, to see to see who it is that they that they finish with here. Why is it? I don't know why it's taking me so long. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is to play the Falcons twice and like two other two other just off. Oh, they play the Lions. Um, but yeah, so they have games. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go eleven and five. And the thing is, they're going to go eleven and five, which will probably make them the best wild card team, right? Because they'll still finish behind the Saints. 
because the Saints have the tiebreaker, yep. which means that they will be the team that goes to play the NFC East winner, which means that they're going to win in the first round of the playoffs. And everybody's going to be like, oh, the Bucks, they haven't lost since that close game against the Chiefs. And now here they are, and they won the playoff game, and they're on fire, and Brady takes over December, and it's Brady in the playoffs. They will get destroyed in the second round of the playoffs. I'm calling it right now. They will win every game until they get to the second round of the playoffs, and they will lose that game by three scores. You want to know what's actually a better scenario is they that happens, and they play the NFC East winner on the road. And that think about happen. that, though, right? Because that it kind of reminds you of that Seattle the Seahawks Saints game from ten years ago. I think it was ten years ago. Uh, was that the earthquake game or something like that? Uh, that might have been even longer ago. But the Seahawks had a losing record and played the Saints, who were infinitely better, at least on paper, and lost. Uh, the Saints lost it on the road to a team with a losing record. But I could see that happening. But a couple things about it. so I think Dave, you're right. I think the Bucks are in, in major trouble. And I think it's a multifaceted approach. Number one, Brady threw to Cameron Brate six times. What the fuck? <laughs> um, right? All the famers. So all the famers. Future all the famers. Yeah, at third and four inside. Um, <laughs> so he throws. So, but Brady just, he looks kind of lost out there. And I don't know if they have gotten out of sync. I mean, he's obviously, you know, following somewhat the dust ball rule where he's thrown to Evans nine times and he's thrown to Godwin nine times. And Gronk, I think, got six targets. So, I mean, seven targets. So, it's not like he's thrown to all these dust balls all the time, but some of the throws just look like he doesn't know where the receiver's supposed to be. And maybe it's not all Tom. Maybe it is a, a combo. And I think what's not helping is uh, Arian seems to be taking shots at Brady left and right whenever he has. And rightfully so. I know, but Cleve, you've said it like he left Belichick because he thought Belichick didn't appreciate. It. Well, very rarely did Belichick say that, yeah, Tom just fucking played like shit in in the presser afterward you know he might dress him down behind closed doors but you know i, I mean it, it was different at the end but you get i think you get the point that i make yeah. is publicly and arians is not that guy arians is going to come out and tell you how he feels yeah. and i've heard a lot of rumors that tom isn't really liking him. no see here's the thing about that. i have a i have a trainer a trainer friend i, I work with who interned for the past few years ago on their super bowl run years and he said that he, he validated that in losses and in wins, Belichick did not pray. He still made mention of things that, that could have been done better. Like he he made sure that no one in there thought that they were better, thought, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that Tom went from like a military school type thing to a frat to where, but but this frat house has a guy that's gonna talk to you like, you know what? You're coming here, fucking six Super Bowl rings. Give me that fucking guy. Give me that, you know, give me that guy. Tom is old guy in football years. He's very old, but you're right. He's not probably used to even being talked like this in front of his face, but it is what it is. But if I'm Tom, I'm Mr. Jerkoff, where I'm, I'm coming in with my six ring and the trophy, a riding sidekick, and I'm like, whatever. But today's point, he said this weeks ago, said that they were good, but then he saw something a week later. He said, you know what? They're, they're, they're fraud. And they're going to run into some, a buzz off a team who's going to hand them their hat. To both of you, is there a difference between Belichick, you know, dressing him down, if you will, in front of the team behind closed doors in a meeting? And then Arians saying something, you know, in the post-game press conference that is now uh, used. I don't think there's a difference. Out. I think Tom Brady's just mentally weak and uh, isn't able to take, okay. isn't able to take any, sort of, any sort of criticism at all. Yep. I think that I think that's fair to say, honestly. I just didn't know, like, you know, from like a player's perspective, like whenever whenever something is is let out in public, you know, it's like you know we don't air our dirty laundry in the locker room out immediately. Like, we mm -hmm. take care of those beefs internally. So I didn't know if there was like. You know, a, a perceived difference in well, it's better to do it behind closed doors than not. But 
I think you're right though, Dave. I mean, interestingly enough, when Tom, after that Falcon Super Bowl, something changed. And he seemed to all of a sudden get to this place where he was like, I don't want to be the, you know, the company man. And he started to sort of do things in a way that seemed to be against what he had done up until that point. And that's where the whole Jimmy G friction yep. came about. I was right? to that, say that. Yeah, that whole thing. And Kraft sided with Brady, whereas Belichick wanted to get, you know, and I say get rid of him, but wanted to make the move before they got to the point that they got to, where yep. it's always hard to get rid of the aging, you know, Hall of Fame. And it was kind of like the Giants. The Giants had the opportunity to do so, and then they went back to Eli. And it was like, man, <laughs> you know, you, had, you, you did the thing that was difficult to do. Right, Cleve? Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, Brett Favre wanted to stick around until he was 105 years old. Yeah. Um, and almost to the detriment of Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. it's just, it just is an interesting thing for me to watch because I think now that you have a coach who's willing to say things and say them in a way that is different than it's ever happened, like out there. Yep. And now the media catches it and it becomes stories and they talk about it, right? And so it's like Tom becomes inundated with it. Whereas before, as like you said, in a militaristic organization, everything, it was like the Willy Wonka factor. Exactly. Nobody knew what happened in there. Yep. And Tom knew what happened, but now everybody knows what's going on. And I, I can understand Dave point too that he's just not into criticism and while yes he's earned a lot of the act you know the accolades that he has he has he still is in the league and he's still he's not part of management he's still worker b yeah yes you're absolutely right i grew up in an era playing sports where a coach could talk to you like you're a fucking moron in front of your parents in front of your whoever and Mm -hmm. call you out you know like it, it, it could be you had the greatest game of your life but the minute you thought you were bigger than that you thought you were, Earth crashed. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the other question, Dave, do the Chiefs have any uh, Actually, that's a very good question. And the answer is no, not as their main, their main, uh, their main people that touch the ball. So obviously, uh, uh, Ty Scum Hill and Travis Kelsey are <laughs> fantastic, you know, pro bowl yeah. players. Clyde Edwards mm-hmm. hilarious, obviously shown he's got some game. Le'Veon Bell is not a dust ball. It's just he was playing with Adam Gase. Nicole Hardman is yep. They drafted to replace Tyreek Hill when they thought Tyreek was actually going to get suspended for breaking the kid's arm. Um, uh, which yeah. He's tight scum, by the way. Um, and then Demarcus Robinson, yes. I think, yeah. is actually pretty good, too, when be like a solid number three slot receiver type guy on um, both NFL teams. Like, I replaced Danny mm-hmm. Amendola with Demarcus Robinson in a heartbeat on the Lions, right? So, really, you have to get down to, like, yeah. Byron Pringle, who... Like, he was actually, he <laughs> went at Kansas State with Tyler Lockett, Byron Pringle. Like he came in right after him, and they didn't have much drop off at the position. So like he he at least has some athleticism to him. And then their backup tight ends are like Nick Kaiser and Dion Yelder, so they're pretty dusty. But not a lot. Well, I think I think Tyreek Hill and Kelsey are one two in the league in uh, receiving yards. Is that is that accurate? I think I saw. That. Um, so Mahomes while also being a, a generational talent yeah definitely yeah. knows the rule yeah you just you just feed your uh, your your best players uh we have the sunday night game here <laughs> yep. the bears 25 and the packers 41 <sighs> um not a lot to say on this game at all except uh these two things one matt nagy after the game was yelling at his players in the press conference to show some pride and whatever and i just hope he keeps that same energy when he's coaching iowa state next year yep <laughs> thank you i was gonna, I I was gonna, gonna go to high school but <laughs> You know, you guys yeah. real. No, the Iowa State job is going to come open because their coach is going to go to Michigan. Please, please, please. Oh, uh, Aaron Rodgers threw the <laughs> ball 29 times. 10 of those targets went to Devontae Adams. That means 33% of the passes to Devontae this week versus 20% last week. That's, you know, 
that's way better and that's why that's why you're going to win i don't have anything macro to say about this game the bears for the original frauds they're going to keep showing it uh all their stats they got were in, were in garbage time this game was like 41 to 7 at some point so the packers dropped them uh, yeah i heard something uh today when about the bears you know back office stuff obviously this triplet might be gone you know nagy trubisky and the gm they said that when the GM drafted Trubisky, he didn't even meet with um, Deshaun Watson. He met with Pat Mahomes, but he didn't meet with Deshaun Watson. And he thought that they both weren't a fit for the Bears culture. And he, Trubisky was his guy. Uh, but he made the pick unbe- unbeknownst to the, you know, the, the president and all that. You know, like he, he just said, hey, this is the guy we're going to go with. How's that so working I, So out the first right thing now? that catches my mind is that when Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson aren't fits for the culture, but less productive white Mitch Trubisky <laughs> is. To me, it's a huge red flag. Yeah, yes. See, I didn't, see, I didn't want to really go there, but it's just a huge obviously, like, yeah. This is political yeah, football. Jumps out yeah, like, you gotta go there. Yeah. Okay, what about Deshaun Watson makes him not a fit for any culture? Well, I guess he didn't meet with them, so he wouldn't know like how great a person Deshaun Watson is. Yeah, didn't even meet with the fucking guy. Didn't even interview him. Didn't talk to him. Nothing. Just said, uh, he's not on our radar. Yeah, like we want Mitch. Deshaun Watson, <laughs> great. Um, you know, basically just wakes up every morning. He said, just saying thank you for everything, and he's done it for years. So, work done. The Pro Bowl running back from the '90s uh, was homeless with his single mother when he was uh, a teenager and younger. So, once he made it to the league, he started a foundation that builds homes for homeless single mothers and their kids. Deshaun Watson's mom and Deshaun got one of those houses. So, like. Yeah. Deshaun is just thankful every day for everything. He's super nice, super competitive, always goes out there, even when he's like, he's pretty much exactly what you want as a person leading your franchise, like the face of it. So mm-hmm. when I heard that, I was like, wow, like that is, it was fucked up. I was like, wow, he really, he really looked past two mm-hmm. great quarterbacks for whatever reason and thought Mitch Trubisky right. Pat was Mahomes, the guy. His father, well, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is the quarterback, Pat Mahomes is the dad. Uh, yeah. The dad, major league baseball pitcher, so like Patrick grew up around pro sports and knows what to do and what it takes and what the culture is supposed to be and all that as well. And I don't know about Matrubisky mm-hmm. personally, like he might be fine or whatever, but when you discount Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson on culture grounds, like that just yeah. just ringing red flags in my head that Ryan Pace has got some. Uh, oh no, they're all gone. Yeah. They're they're fucking done. Over there, they're done. And the thing about it, too, is, like, they don't really have any future. Like, there's no hope. No, no, no. Like, there's no hope to look forward no, to. No, they're Jets, done. For everything that we say about the Jets and take liberties, we know that if they stay on this course, they get Trevor Lawrence. There's hope there. But the Bears have almost screwed themselves over because they won five games to start the year. <laughs> and 5-11 and 11 is probably, I mean, who knows what that gets them in the end. But, you know, I think you know what I mean. And also, to close this game out, uh, Cleve, uh, guys who you didn't know were in the league, uh, we have a Mercedes Lewis mm-hmm. uh, sighting for the Green Bay Pack. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Four, four, four targets for two catches and 16 yards and a big touchdown. Give me this every week, bro. I need to know these guys. That's insane. Well, I, I, these names are popping out to me. And I was like, holy shit, I had to click on it to make sure it was the actual same guy. Wow. And I was like, yep, 36 years old. That's holy shit. Yeah, Capsule out the league, huh? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, play ball. yep, moving on yeah. to, the, uh, to the Monday night game. We have the Seahawks 23 and the Eagles 17. Speaking of people who are still in the league, did you guys know Carson Wentz is still in the league? (laughs) 
Oh, hold on. Can we just go back for a minute here, Dave? Because yeah, I mean, the first show I think I was on, <laughs> I said I didn't think Wentz was very good. And you said, you guys are crazy. Wentz is just fine. He's throwing the dust off. Yeah. Can you so clarify the thing. That I think that person went to the best thing the Eagles had going for them. And through their lack of confidence, there's no offensive line, and they're nothing but dust ball receiving core. He has been completely broken. He's a shell of his former self. He's not going to get it fixed this year. They need to shut him down, put in Jalen Hurts, because right now he looks like garbage. When he comes back next year, you know, we'll start we'll start that clock all over again. So when I said it then, I I thought it was accurate then. Now, you guys were just ahead of the curve. No, offensive line is worse. just both will continue. Cleve and I got into the DeLorean and came back. We knew. We knew. But, uh, by the way, Dave, you should have introduced this game as the DK Metcalfs 23 and the Philadelphia Eagles 17 because uh, Metcalf had a game that told Cleve to go five. Yeah, he's, he's a, what, third, the third youngest receiver to 1,000 yards in 11 games. Something like that. 177 yards. But he got tackled at, like, and he dropped the touchdown. yard line twice. Um, so, yeah, DK yeah. Metcalf, 10 catches for 177 yards. Uh, just, just absolutely, absolutely dominant uh, in – in this game, uh, Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, needs to either bench Carson Wentz or get fired. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna get he's gonna get fired. He's gonna he's gonna get fired, dude. It's just why would you bring a kid in for one? Was it one play? Two. Two. Come on, what the fuck. And, and your quarterback's just... getting shitted on the entire night. They're they're in his face. Like, give the yeah. kid a play. He, he got he got sacked six times. Six what times. The fuck. Yeah, just, just an awful performance. Uh, they were discussing this this morning. Sorry, Dave. They were discussing this this morning uh, on ESPN, and it was like people were saying you can't bench once because of the price tag. No, and I was like, well, I don't. I get it. Like, but that's a decision that you made, and you have to. Uh, yes, okay. So you signed him, but so we're just gonna keep trotting him out there. One to his detriment, and two, it's clearly not working. I was, and at this, yeah, point, yeah. <laughs> at this point in the season, try something else. Yes, we discussed please. this last week. Come please. on, see what you got at least. With Jalen Hurts, like, you know what? Like we, we got the guy, on, you know, on our roster. Let's see what he can do. Let's get a one yeah, or two. Yeah, another thing too in the off season, you know? as we're talking about the NFL draft, because we'll do a lot of shows around that, I assume. Uh, we'll also have discussions about draft mm-hmm. capital. They took Jalen Hurts in the second round. You don't take second rounders to not play and not help your team, especially if you thought you had a good team, which the Eagles thought they had going into the year. You know, I don't know exactly where Jalen Hurts was was taken, but I think some of these other second round, like I think Chase Claypool could probably help them. You know what I mean? Like, there's all sorts of mm-hmm. second round players that they could have uh, uh, taken that could help them right away. So if you're going to take Jalen Hurts in a second, you got to be looking to get him on the field, and so that's a big a big issue with them as well. Uh, the Seahawks, on the other hand, uh, just continue rolling, even though this game was not. They didn't really let Russ cook all that much, and it wasn't very fun to watch. They still just dominated this game. It wasn't as close as the score in the in the Seahawks. I said a while ago would represent NFC in the Super Bowl, and I actually still just think that. Mm. So, Dave, this had a uh, uh, an analytics thing at the a play at the end. I think, if I remember, uh, I believe Eagles went for it on fourth yeah. down. I think was that when went through the pick, um, and it was like they had they were down what? Uh, I can't, I can't. Yeah, twenty three to ten. And I think they, instead of kicking, they... they yeah, no, let's do a pick. So that situation was exactly right, because they're down two scores with, like, eight minutes yeah, yeah. to go, and they can't do anything yeah. on offense. So they just had to... Honestly, the Eagles should never punt or kick a field goal for the rest of the year. They should always go for it. So are Peterson's uh, decisions the same and, and solid the way that they were in the Super Bowl run? It's just that the, the team is not as good, uh, and they can't execute those plays? Or are some of his... 
uh, calls a little, you know, is he having like a down year in terms of his Greg uh, his Ward led the wide receivers and snaps, so I would say his coaching decisions aren't the greatest. Okay. Because they were discussing that too and how Peterson probably has to stay because he won a Super Bowl. And I was like, that was not last year. That was like three fucking years ago, right? Yeah, it was. And it's a different time now. So, yep. just curious. That's it. That's all I had in this game. Didn't, um, real quick. So, when uh, when Foles got paid by Jack, obviously it wasn't Carson Wentz money. I don't think it was even close. But they got rid of him or, you know, uh, what's the kid there? Uh, Minshew. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. If you're, it's not to say that, you know what, he's an albatross around our neck because we got to, because we paid him so much money, but he's hurting the team. He's hurting the team. Like it's, like you said, he's throwing like hop time. He's staring down receivers, throwing picks. You know what? He's got 16 picks right now. He's leading the league. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. And that, that pick in the end zone, it was either he didn't know where the receiver was supposed to be or the receiver had no clue where they were supposed to be because that ball was near nobody wearing a green jersey. (laughs) I, I, um, right, Dave. I mean, am I wrong about that? I mean, it was yeah, it was it was just awful yeah. all the way around. Okay, so now yeah. Uh, yeah. quickly looking at go. some of the games next week. Uh, the first game that jumps out to me, we have the Browns at the Titans, which that game might be over in mm. an hour and a half because all they want to do is run the ball. Um, the Colts yeah. are at the Texans, <laughs> and if they still had Will Fuller, I would say the Colts might get further exposed in this game. But I actually think the Colts will end up winning that one. We have the huge game between the Raiders and the Jets, which this might be the Jets' last only real chance to get a W here. No, I, I'll see. The Jets is one of those one of those teams right now that it's like a you get beat up on another team and then you come back and yeah, beat so up, the up down here. Yeah, else, I can. So, so yeah, so they're gonna come in and look like the Raiders that we saw three weeks ago. So. There you go. And then uh, John uh, will be hard again. The 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 Broncos <laughs> had better hope that they get quarterbacks back because they are at Kansas City on the Sunday night game. They oh, might get Kendall Jesus. Hinton against Patrick Mahomes <laughs> on a. If you're the Chiefs in that situation, you get up by two touchdowns and pull the starters, right? Yeah. What, <laughs> bro? I'm calling Vinny Testaverde. Hey, Vinny, can you come in? <laughs> I'm I'm serious. Vinny, can you come in? And yeah, cover, something something like that. Know? So that's uh, that's that one there. And then the other thing that jumps out to me here is the NFC East. Every single team in the NFC East might really take an L. This week, the Giants are at Seattle, the Eagles are at Green Bay, Washington is at Pittsburgh, and the oh, Cowboys are at the Ravens. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they, yeah. they might just be the leader of the NFC East next week, might be Fornix. <laughs> Sounds like a red zone kind of week. <laughs> oh, what? Are you kidding me? No, yeah, I just mean like, sure. thank, thank God. Yeah, no, they did. See, I'm from, a, I'm from an area where the Jets and Giants games, you have to watch it in its entirety. And there's no fucking way this season I could have done that. No way. That's like my father-in-law with the Cowboys, and I'm like, really? We have to watch that when we could watch all of the and, games. Uh, the only, the only <laughs> other, the only other one that really jumps out to me here are the, uh, is the Rams at the Cardinals, just because that could really go a long way to determining which one of these teams gets left out of the playoffs, since they both had some disappointing losses recently. And then yeah. Monday we have the doubleheader: Washington at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Buffalo at San Francisco, and then we got the Tuesday nighter: Cowboys at Ravens. So we got football uh, Monday and Tuesday. So let me ask you something. So. If the Steelers got to play tomorrow, I'm sorry. If they to well, Thursday, let's say Thursday. Well, that's that's easier than going Sunday to Thursday, Monday? which they do all the time. Yeah. This, this, yep. this scheduling is just um, and so then one thing up. I did want to add on here too is a um, just sort of a new thing for the listeners to be looking out for because I know there's so much college football out there and it can be hard to know what what to watch or whatever from an NFL draft perspective. Um, there were a couple games this week that, that stood out. So I just wanted to talk about these uh, very quickly and the players in the game. So the first is that at noon on Saturday, we have Texas A&M at Auburn. And this game is full of uh, 
uh, good good NFL prospects. The two best ones, in my opinion, are actually sophomores, so you get yourself really familiar. You got Jalen Wiedermeyer, the tight end uh, for Texas A&M, number eighty-five, absolutely fantastic pass catching tight end. Um, he's going to be he's going to be in the pros for a long time. The question is going to be where's he going to get drafted, but this is a guy to watch. And then the running back Isaiah Spiller, number twenty-eight, um, also a sophomore, but he's going to be a, a not a high draft pick because running backs don't get picked high anymore, but like a second or third rounder where the team that takes them would be excited to use them, that sort of thing. Then you have the wide receiver for Auburn, Seth Williams, who was just a big body, physical, sort of dominating type wide receiver. But their but Auburn's quarterback is terrible, so he keeps like throwing it over his head. Um, the Auburn quarterback is named Bo Nix, by the way, which is the most Auburn name ever. Yep. And then the second game I wanted to talk about here, <laughs> uh, while Auburn, while Auburn A and M might be a good football game, this is going to be a bloodbath, and that's number one Alabama at LSU. Uh, this is going to be awful. However, Devontae Smith is, in my opinion, the number two wide receiver in this class behind Jamar Chase, who opted out from LSU. Devontae Smith, number six for Alabama. Um, he's the one that caught the overtime game winner from Tua as a freshman uh, against Georgia. He's absolutely phenomenal. On the other side of the ball, though, LSU has Derek Stingley, who's the number one cornerback prospect for the 2022 draft. He's a true sophomore. He is the grandson of Daryl Stingley, who got paralyzed for the Patriots. Yeah, all five-star, all-world everything, complete shutdown guy. Like, teams don't throw at him. They're going to put him on Devontae Smith. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, And then if you're ready to feel old, one of the top corners coming out this year is for Alabama, number two. Patrick Sertan Jr. Yeah, so he's he's on that team uh, as well. And then Dylan Moses, the linebacker who Lane Kiffin, when he was at Alabama's offensive coordinator, offered in eighth grade, um, is going to be one of the top linebackers this year. So Alabama's a great team to watch. But the match between Devontae Smith and Derek Stingley is going to be an NFL-level wide receiver cornerback. Right. That, is, that running back in the first game you mentioned, Spiller, I is, don't is he any think so, um, only because it's never been mentioned, and you know broadcasters uh-huh. love to mention those Thing. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, Cleve, were you old enough to see uh, Patrick Sertan Jr.'s grandfather play football? Yeah, oh, where were you? In the golden era uh, before 1978. Um, <laughs> oh, but, uh, Dave, I have a question. How in the hell is Clemson only favored uh, by 22 against 10? Yeah, Clemson, Clemson has a tendency to take the foot off the gas and pull the starters oh. as, they get, as they get later into games. Virginia Tech does have some offense, you know, between Hendon Hooker and Khalil Herbert. They can actually put up some points. And if Virginia Tech is playing well, they're going to kill the clock as yeah. well with Herbert. So it's more about opportunities to score. Um, yeah. I'd be curious with over-under is in that game. I don't I don't know it. But, no, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 35 to 13. So it's a 22 point, but it's like a slow full domination. But the total is only, you know, 52 or somewhere, or 48 to yeah. be somewhere, somewhere in, that, in that range. But that's the reason. Like, Khalil Herbert is good enough to play for Clemson, therefore he's Fair enough. worth a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he is. Just curious. Is that kid that was that was sick? Or they didn't mention what kid was sick on Clemson? Uh, so that was he, all we um, know is it was an offensive like, line that practiced. Uh, theoretically, he'd be able to play because it's longer than the ten days. The ACC does it like the NFL, so he would be eligible to to come back, I believe. Um, but if, if, if as long as it, Jackson Carmen, the right tackle, was the big time prospect on that line, at least as of right now. As long as it's not him, the line shouldn't take a huge mm-hmm. shouldn't take a huge hit. Was it was it Ohio State that that? Uh, yeah, a lot of schools have actually done that. that and sick. when you play uh, college football daily fantasy sports like I do, it's really annoying because the colleges don't have to release the names. 
So you have to be paying attention to early game warm-ups on Twitter. It's like, yeah, who's not there? Who's not warming oh, up? Not so there. you can go in and make your lineups. It's absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Uh, Megan hates it. Because uh, I'm so stressed from like 11:45 to noon every every Saturday trying to trying to figure it out. Crazy man, it's it's just uh, unbelievable. Because you said uh, I think one of you guys said a few weeks ago that some some conferences yeah. do the 14 days. Yeah, the big the Big Ten is 21. Some are just 10. Like some are like just two negative tests. It's it's all over the place with with how they do it. Yeah. So Saban's back this weekend. Yep. Wow. Yes, he certainly. Is. Yep, 10 days to come Four, back what, and just 10 days? 70 points on LSU. <laughs> wow. So if Ohio State gets eliminated, because mm-hmm. I don't I don't see how they play this game, but if they get eliminated, then what happens now? Like what? How much chaos? Is it's going to be insane because you have a situation into. where Notre Dame is undefeated and they play like Wake Forest in I don't know yeah. some scrub team, Syracuse maybe, um, to end the season, and then they get their rematch mm-hmm. from Clemson in the ACC title game. So if Clemson wins that game, because they'll have Lawrence back, they didn't have Lawrence for the first time. If Clemson wins, so they're each one lost teams. They should both be in at that point. Um, Alabama should just roll, so they'll they'll be in. Ohio State, you would think, would be the other team that's in, but they only play four games. How do you let them in over Cincinnati, who's like eleven and zero? This is what this is what I'm saying. This is why I was saying to, to you guys. You know, we were having some fun with it uh, offline, but it, it's just hard to hard to like you know if 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 there's no COVID and teams are getting picked off. I'm fine, but like you said, if, if Cincinnati's 11-0, perfect example, you know, Ohio State doesn't show up for fucking whatever, how many games, it's like, you know, these well, the guys jump in Well, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that making the playoff so much money to the conferences that if Ohio State is one of the four best teams yeah. but gets left out because they, they couldn't play enough kids. games because the Big Ten did everything uh, much more safely than some of these other conferences, the Big Ten is going to absolutely throw a fit, and I would not be shocked to see them schedule... Like, let's say Michigan-Ohio State gets canceled and they can't play. I would not be shocked to see Michigan-Ohio State get scheduled during the playoffs just to play it because they don't want to miss the year. And like, at the same time. Just to play. Every yeah. Michigan-Ohio State fan <laughs> watches that instead of watching like, we're the playoffs. You know, something check. like that. The Big Ten will absolutely not sit back and let an undefeated Ohio State team that's clearly one of the four best teams not make it in. Well, two one-loss ACC teams make it in. You know what I mean? It'd be a 2 o'clock, a two o'clock in the morning game. On some random day. <laughs> Crazy, bro. All right, you guys got any uh, closing? No, mine was just about college comments, football. Matt. Uh, good story for the week. Uh, I think it was either on or a little before Thanksgiving, but uh, Marshawn Lynch was uh, teaming up with some local stores out on the island of Oahu, and he was giving out, they gave out 200 free turkeys go to uh, people in need. That's a really good stuff there. Really good stuff there. Yeah, you see. He, did you guys see that uh, that thing that Peyton Manning does? Show that he does. Uh, yeah, Peyton's places. Yeah, Peyton's places. Yeah, he he's interviewing uh, Marshawn, and it's it's absolutely hilarious because Marshawn is like being Marshawn, and Peyton is just trying to be like all like you know politically correct. And Marshawn just he's cursing you know, it. I'm pretty sure he's, that Ryan awesome. Peyton doesn't think Marshawn Lynch is a cultural fit for the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Cleve, you know what I liked about this story is that Marshawn isn't in the league. He's not doing charity because he has to. He's doing it because he wants to. Yeah. Whereas a lot of guys who are, you know, sort of contractually obligated to do a lot of things, and sometimes it feels that way. It's nice to see uh, other humans helping other humans. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that was just a cool story that I thought you guys would yeah, appreciate. It, 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 like I said, I mean, do, during the, because uh, uh, Dave brought, brought the Stratford story uh, to me weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Um, so I'm glad that we're doing a segment now, you know, that we close off with something positive like that. Uh, in this post-COVID bullshit that's going on. So, um, 
I want to close with basically, you know, uh, we're heading into, you know, the last month of this year. And hopefully, you know, it's good for everybody because it's been, I've been wearing out. Like I've, I've been tested so many ways with just trying to keep, just keep busy and, you know, trying to figure out how things are going to be, you know, trying to like live up ahead of myself, see how things are going. And it's just, you know, like, you know, my a wife lost some, some more family. It's just a lot of, a lot of stuff right now. So I'm just ready for a new thing. I don't know about this back, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, but it's just a lot, a lot to digest right now. And like, you, I think one of you guys said earlier when we opened the show, that like the beginning of the year slowed up and sped up then it just went to a grinding halt uh so i'm just looking forward to getting out of this month um and hopefully Agreed. 2021 is is much brighter yeah. all right guys so we'll be talking football on um, tuesday we're talking yeah, about this, the steelers, the steelers uh, play twice by then played on friday so <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's crazy that we opened the show with a thanksgiving game that thousand years ago so <laughs> awesome. see you all right guys <laughs> see you next week have a great week Musical credit for today's episode goes to First Com Music, an ESPN-owned entity, NFL Primetime.